Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combined short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. We're very happy to have Francis Ball with us today as we come to a portion of Genesis that has far-reaching implications for God's people. And Francis, I'm glad you're here to help us with it. Well, I'm very glad to be here. I hope we can be of some help. Francis, we're going to focus today on a matter that appears in Genesis and which we will find out is very meaningful, very significant, Yet, like many other things that we've seen during our study of Genesis, this has been largely overlooked historically by God's people. We're going to look at the matter of birthright in the context of Jacob and Esau. To really understand today's message, Francis, our listeners are going to need to know the story of Jacob and Esau and how the birthright was involved. Well, as we've seen many times in our life study of the book of Genesis, there are many seeds of truth sown in this book and developed throughout the Bible. And so here's another seed today, the birthright. The birthright, as we know, is a special portion given to the firstborn. However, in the case of Jacob and Esau, we will see in this message that there is a shifting of the birthright. Especially in the ancient times, in nearly every race, the firstborn has a special portion of the inheritance. Among the Jews at that time, it meant inheriting a double portion, especially of the land, and also included the priesthood and the kingship, as we saw in later books of the Old Testament. In this case of Jacob and Esau, the birthright is shifted under the sovereignty of God from the firstborn to the secondborn, that is, from Esau to Jacob. We will see in this message how this shifting took place and why this matter is so significant and so meaningful. Thank you, Francis. This is an interesting and meaningful life study. Let's join Witness Lee. God predestinated Jacob to have the birthright. But Jacob didn't come out first. Esau came out first. This case shows us that the birthright is up to God's sovereign predestination. But Jacob did too much by himself. He was very, very greedy. 
even before he came out of the womb of the mother, he was fighting for the birthright. If you read the Bible carefully, you could see Esau was a strong, strong man with a big body. And Jacob was a small man, and Jacob was so little. So God intended that Jacob, even you fight, you couldn't beat Esau. So eventually, Jacob was defeated, and Esau came out. Surely, Esau gained the birthright. But Jacob would never give up. After he was born, he was still fighting for this. Jacob maneuvered his brother Esau to sell the birthright to him. Jacob was really skillful. And he was all the time observing, watching Esau's activities. And by that, he found out after hunting, Esau would become hungry. And that day, Esau got hooked. Before Esau came back, the soap was ready there, prepared. And Esau was hungry. Right away, Jacob said, you have to sell your birthright to me. So Esau said, birthright, that is in the future. But now, something real and practical. Right away, he took the deal. Here, I must add a word. Yes, birthright is up to God's sovereign predestination. But it depends upon your doing. Esau's doing was foolish, and he took this deal. So the birthright, according to him, was gone. But Esau didn't have the right to give the blessing of the birthright. Rising was in his father's hand. So, I tell you, no doubt Jacob told his mother how he bought uh, the deal. Then after this, <laughs> the mother uh, was watching and waiting for a time to come. Rebecca uh, waited until the time Isaac's eyes became dim. Then Rebecca said, this is the time. You go to deceive your father. And Jacob obeyed. And Jacob did it. And Isaac blessed Jacob blindly. Then Jacob got not only the birthright, but also the blessing of the birthright. Suppose Jacob did nothing. How about the birthright? I believe God passed away. I tell you, what Jacob did was altogether too much. Apparently, that helped him. Actually, that helped him to suffer. Now, by this case, we all have to learn, number one, that the birthright is up to God's sovereignty. And number two, never do anything to maneuver, to deceive, that you may get the birthright. You don't need to struggle for the birthright. And thirdly, don't be so loose, so light to sell your birthright. I tell you, you may not be able to get the birthright, but you can sell it. 
Jacob got the birthright not because he did something, but Esau lost the birthright because of his wrongdoing. Francis, this interesting story of Jacob and Esau carries with it some sober implications. Esau sold or gave up his birthright, and this is presented as a warning to us. What is it to sell or give up the birthright in this present age? Well, first I'd say not only in the Old Testament was a birthright shifted from Esau to Jacob, but that later on we'll see in the New Testament there is a shifting of the birthright from the Jews to the church. And the church is even called the church of the firstborn in Hebrews. Now today, to sell the birthright is to give up God's goal for some other goal or some other desire. Our birthright, believers in Christ, is to gain a double portion of Christ. That is, to gain Christ and the church, the corporate Christ. If we give up gaining this portion of Christ, trading it for something else, like Esau did, we lose a birthright. The birthright is ours by birth, so we don't need to struggle or strive for it as Jacob did. So many times he did this. It's ours by God's sovereignty and by our rebirth. But we must be careful not to, uh, not to sell our birthright. That is, to give up Christ and the church for our present taste or our present satisfaction. Francis, we're going to stay with the topic of birthright, but now we're going to jump ahead to see how one of Jacob's sons lost his birthright. Briefly, what is the story concerning Reuben? Well, sad case indeed, and a real warning that we must guard against sinfulness. Reuben lost his birthright due to his sinfulness, due his, mainly his sin of fornication. In Genesis 35:22, we're told that Reuben's sin of fornication was with Bilhah. This should be a strong warning to us today that sinfulness, especially sinfulness of this sort, can cause us to lose the birthright. In these days of such looseness, this is a strong warning, especially to the young people. They're exposed so much to such an atmosphere of looseness and all kind of sinful activities that we really need to help all of us, but especially the young people, to be aware of the fact that their birthright can be sacrificed by indulging in certain kinds of sinful things. Thank you, Francis. This is a sober warning for all of us, and especially the young. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for more of our live study. Reuben was born the firstborn. God did intend to give him the birthright, but the birthright can be lost by our development. Reuben, he was indulging in lust. You know, the sinful thing he did. Because of that, he lost the birthright. And the birthright went to Joseph, who fled this kind of development. One indulged in the lust, 
and the other fled from this kind of sinfulness. So God is just. God took away the birthright from this indulging one to the fleeing one. Don't think it is a small thing to sin, especially this matter of fornication. Oh, the Bible says God hates fornication. I tell you, nothing offends God as such indulgence in fornication. I would warn you all, this kind of thing would never bring any blessing to you. It would always cause some damage, a spontaneous natural judgment upon you. No need for God to judge you purposely. I tell you, if you come to this kind of thing, the judgment will come to you naturally, spontaneously. You may be predestinated, but you still could lose your birthright by the indulgence in sin. Today, every fornicating Christian surely loses his or hers birthright. In the New Testament, what is the birthright? That is the full enjoyment of Christ with the priesthood and kingship. We have the right, the position to enjoy Christ in full, and we all are priests, and we all are kings today. If we lose our birthright, even today, we lose enjoyment of Christ. You know, if anyone commits fornication, right away the enjoyment of Christ will be over. As a Christian, he should be a priest and a king, but because of his sin, right away, he's no more actually a priest nor a king. Even the more when the Lord comes back in the thousand years, no such a fornicator would go into the thousand-year kingdom, only the overcomer will have the fullest enjoyment of Christ in the thousand years, and will be the co-kings of Christ there, and will be God's priest. You see? So it is not a small thing. The birthright may be lost because of our development. Francis, as you alluded to previously, this dark and sinful age that we live in has become fully saturated with fleshly and lustful excess. And the Bible, we know, contains numerous warnings for God's people not to get entangled in this kind of way. Here, the story of Reuben, the matter of the birthright is very much related to this kind of indulgence. Does this mean that a believer that gets caught up in this type of sin, can actually lose their salvation? Well, this introduces a big question regarding God's salvation. On the one hand, God's salvation is eternal. It's based upon the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, who as the Lamb of God took away the sin of the world, all sin. On the other hand, 
God's complete salvation includes more than just forgiveness of sin and salvation from the lake of fire. It includes a full salvation of the enjoyment of Christ as everything to us, plus the reigning with Christ in the coming millennial kingdom. The kind of sin that's spoken of is very defiling and may cause the loss of the birthright. This is not a matter of eternal salvation, but of enjoyment of the coming thousand-year reign of Christ's kingdom. Brother Lee has spoken very plainly about this danger in this adulterous and sinful generation, and we certainly need to be warned, and we need to help others to be warned that the full enjoyment of Christ can be lost by such indulgence. But I would like to point out that there are two sides of every truth. We must not confuse eternal salvation from perdition with the reward of the coming kingdom. Your salvation from perdition depends simply upon you as a sinner believing and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and your life. But, as we've heard, whether or not you will have the birthright depends upon your doing. Being saved from perdition depends upon your believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. But your maintaining or receiving the reward of the birthright depends upon what you do. If you are foolish like Esau and sell your birthright for some kind of immediate self-satisfaction or self-indulgence, you lose not your eternal salvation, but your birthright. Thank you, Francis. This is a difficult issue and one that we've had an opportunity to touch on a few occasions, and I know in the future it'll be touched again. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of our life study. Now we come to the last shifting from the Church of Israel to the Church. In the New Testament, God did say to Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn. But Israel was cut off from the birthright. And Romans 11 tells us clearly, Israel was cut off because of the unbelief. You could see at the beginning of the Lord's ministry still considered Israel as the first son in Luke 15, right? Uh, the sinners were considered as the second son. But there you can see the first son did need the fetid calf. According to enjoyment in Luke 15, you could see the second son got oh, the birthright. Fetid calf, Christ. The second son got the enjoyment. You read it with this light. Under this light, you could see my Pharisees surely lost their birthright in enjoying Christ. So at the end of the Lord's ministry, in Matthew 21, the Lord's word changed. The Lord said, the publicans, the harlots, and the sinners, the repentant ones, they are the first thing. And you Pharisees, the unbelieving ones, because John the Baptist came in the way of righteousness, you didn't believe. You didn't repent. 
super cut. The first end was cut from the birthright, and the second end was grafted into the birthright. All the repentant and believing sinners come to constituent of the church. So today, the church is called the church of the firstborn. We all have to realize we are the church of a group of firstborn sons. And we do have the birthright. We have the birthright to enjoy Christ. And we have the birthright to be priests and Christ co-kings. We do have the birthright. But now, in the New Testament, we do have a warning. Be careful and be warned. You may lose your birth. Francis, I really appreciated this word. I'd like to ask you to develop this matter of Israel losing the birthright due to their unbelief. But the church, composed of so many repentant sinners and publicans, entering into the enjoyment of the birthright. This is really marvelous. Yes, it is marvelous. It's wonderful that though we are such sinners and publicans, we could be the heirs of God with Christ. It's true, according to Romans chapter 11, that God did choose Israel as his people. They are a corporate people chosen by God. And we know the whole Old Testament brings out their experiences with God and their going on and their drawing back from God and from His way. And their unbelief and their rejection of Christ caused them to lose their position and birthright. This is what the case of Jacob and Esau typify. The chosen corporate people, Israel, rejected God's way of salvation through Christ and therefore as a people, they were set aside. Uh, this brought in the uh, repentant Gentiles, that is, the church, which is in people of God by faith. God chose Israel, and they gives us many, many wonderful uh, lessons by their history. But when it comes to the matter of Christ, who God manifested in the flesh to be the Savior of the world, they rejected him. So whoever will receive Christ now becomes a part of his church, which is the corporate heir of all of the blessings God promised to his people. So we were brought in as the repentant Gentiles, the church, by faith. But we can't boast in this. If we don't continue in the faith, we will also lose something of the birthright. Paul in Romans likens the believing Gentiles to the branches of a wild olive tree grafted into a cultivated olive tree. So every Christian should be interested in the birthright he receives when he is born of God. The inheritance we receive by becoming a son of God is too marvelous, but we should be warned not to lose our birthright, which is a reward in addition to our salvation from perdition. We stand in a good position today and a marvelous issue of the grace of God to have the birthright of inheriting all the riches that are in Christ 
and of reigning in the coming kingdom if we will not lose or sell our birthright. Amen, Francis. We all received our birthright at our new birth. And now I believe we're all impressed that it's not something to be confused with our salvation. It's a reward in addition to our salvation if we'll all treasure it and keep it. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.